0: John chapter 4. I just want to pull out this one verse. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And uh, as I was studying this week, that just kept coming up, and it just continued to grow on the inside of me, that Jesus made this statement to this woman, If you knew the gift of God... If you knew the gift of God, and he, what he kept stirring on the inside of me is, Todd, do you really understand the gift of God in you? Because I really believe if we understand the gift of God in us, then we understand that we're not ministering out of our righteousness, we're, we're not ministering out of our uh, ability, we're ministering out of Christ in us, which is, the Bible says, the hope of glory. So what that means is this, that when we go to minister, we can be, even as Peter and John at the gate, beautiful, when they, it said uh, that the man was looking for something. This was in my email this week that I sent out. Um, let, me just, uh, let me just go there for a moment, and I'll read that to you, not the whole email. <laughs> in Acts chapter 3, it says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, (laughs) to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, "'Silver and gold I I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk.' And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God." The passage that I used in the the email prior to that was Mark 10, 7 and 8. It says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. So all that, as I was meditating on this statement that Jesus made to this woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God... If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, "Give me a drink," you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So, as I was meditating on that, I uh, was reading several other passages along with it in Ephesians and in Romans, and Acts, um, and Hebrews. But the thing that that one that really jumped out to me is in, in Romans chapter four. I want to read a few passages scripture verses in Romans four, sixteen and 17 and 23 through 25 this is therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed not only to those who are of the law but also those who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all verse 17 as it is written I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did? Now it was not written for their sake alone, but it, that it was imputed to him. This is speaking of righteousness that was imputed unto Abraham by faith. Look at your neighbors say by faith. By faith. It wasn't by works? If you read this passage in Romans chapter four, the whole thing he's talking about is how Abraham was declared righteous by faith, and it was before he was circumcised. He said that it, that it might be, a, the circumcision was just an outward showing of what God had already done by faith. You know, it's a lot like uh, it was a prophetic act that Abraham did in obedience to say, I've been made righteous, not by this act in the physical, but this is just a declaration of what's already happened. Same thing as what baptism is for us as a New Testament believer. It's not just a a thing that we do out of obedience. It's a prophetic act that says that I I died with Christ and I am now resurrected with Christ. And here's, here's where I've been meditating and what just keeps growing on the inside of me. There are so many things that we do just out of tradition that Jesus himself said the traditions of men have made the word of God of no effect. That we do things religiously. And we do them traditionally, and we don't understand the power that's in them. And I think sometimes we're just like that Samaritan woman standing at the well. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God that was there, who is he? He's I am. He's not I was. He's not I will be. He's I am. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was, you would ask of him. And he would give you living water. Water that comes out that will spring up from the inside out of you. And as I was looking at all that, look at this, verse 23 again, it says, For it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. That's you and that's me. It was written for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Look at verse 25, this is what's so amazing to me. I I saw it with fresh eyes this week as I was studying. Verse 25 says this, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification. Listen, hear that like you've never heard it before. It said that he was, it said he was delivered up because of our offenses, but he was raised up because of our justification. Listen, here's what that says in a nutshell. Jesus resurrected because I've been made righteous. Not to make me righteous, but because the payment was enough. He was delivered up because of our offenses, and he was raised because of our justification. Jesus was able to come out of the grave, conquer death, hell, and the grave because I've been justified before God. Man, that's a powerful gift. If we understand that, that I have been justified before God. That's why Jesus was able to resurrect, because I was justified. The sacrifice was enough. (laughs) I've shared this before, but when Elijah, when they said, when it came against the prophets of Baal, and it says that the the fire of God came down, and it, it burned up the sacrifice, the altar, and licked up the water. God totally consumed everything that man made and man did around there. God consumed. But when Jesus bore wrath, he consumed all of that in his body, and it didn't destroy him. He conquered it. I really believe, with all my heart, that the Lord in this season is saying, I want you to know the gift that's in you. Not just the fivefold gifting in the church, but the gift that's in you. That's what he told, that's what he told, uh, that's what Paul told Timothy, this, he said this, verse, 1 Timothy 4, 14, I'm going to give you two passages out of Timothy, you can just make note, to, uh, because I'm not going to stay there long. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, which with the laying on of hands of the eldership. So Paul tells Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is in you. So if he, if he charges him or encourages him not to neglect the gift, that means what? That means he can neglect it. I didn't mean to leave that too open-ended for you. But if, if Paul tells Timothy, don't neglect the gift, that means that he has the opportunity to neglect it. Right? Peter and John could have neglected the gift that was on the inside of them. They could have went to the gate called Beautiful and they said, you know what? Salvation Army's out front. Don't have any quarters to put in the little tin. Bless you. And just kept going. And neglected the gift that was on the inside of them. You know, when you look in Acts, uh, Acts chapter 4, it's where Peter and John, and, and John, right after this right here, this is Acts 3, right after this is when they get arrested and they get, they get brought in and they, they stand. I, I love that. I love that because it, it really just shows the ignorance of intelligent people. Because they told him, they said, they said, look, you got to quit talking about Jesus, but tell us, how did this man get <coughs> healed? This is, you're asking me how he got healed. Thank you. I'm, I find myself happy to tell you how this man got healed. He got healed by the one you rejected, by the Jesus you crucified that rose from the dead. That's why this man stand, stands here before you whole. In and, and Acts 4.12, it says this, that it's that name, that's the only name given among men whereby you must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. Peter just preached the gospel right there. How did he do that? He did it from the gift that was on the inside of him. He didn't do it because he was Apostle Peter. He did it because there was the gift that he had. It said in that passage of Scripture that they recognized that they were ignorant and unlearned men. That doesn't mean that they were stupid. What it means is this, that they didn't have all the education that the religious leaders had. But there was something they noticed, that they had been with Jesus. What does that mean? Because I remember as you study the Gospels and you hear that Jesus did these signs and they go, what manner of man is this? His even disciples said that when he he stilled the water. said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? The religious leader said, we've never heard anything like this before. We've never seen someone that doesn't just teach, but that carries a power with them. You know, what's so beautiful about that? Paul in Corinthians said this. He said, there's some of you that are puffed up. (laughs) he said there's some of you that have a lot of knowledge and you're talking about the Lord but I'm coming and when I come we'll see who's walking in power (laughs) I'm a little stirred up Andrew Womack said this the powerless gospel is not the gospel a powerless gospel is not the gospel because you can't separate the two In, in Luke 4 when Jesus came he, he stood up in the temple. You know what's so powerful about it? I know I've shared all this before, but I'm telling you, we're in the Christmas season. It's all about the gift. It's all about giving and things like that. And I want us to understand as we end this year, this calendar year and begin a new calendar year, that we understand the gift that's on the inside of us. That we don't approach another year with just empty New Year's resolution that says, I'm going to be better. I'm going to blow it out during Christmas and eat all the junk. But January 1, I'm going to try out, start training for Mr. Olympia or Miss Olympia, whatever. (laughs) But if we understand the gift that's in us, man, if it's weight loss, it's it's not a thing. You don't focus on weight loss, you focus on Jesus. (laughs) That our eyes are set on the true and the living God and that we live from who lives in us, whose we are. Instead of trying to do something and trying to be something, just another year. That we embrace the reality of who Christ is in us and we walk in this new year with that reality and that understanding. That we don't just pursue a gospel that sounds good, but that we carry a gospel of power. Of life that, that every day we have opportunity to release what's on the inside of us. He said, freely you've received, freely give. And if we'll, under, if we'll awaken, not if, as. As we awaken to the reality of who we are, I'm telling you, it's what the world is hungry for. It's what creation is groaning for. The manifestations of sons and daughters who don't go out and try to do a work. It's, it Literally, it becomes the fruit of of righteousness not fruit for righteousness the fruit of righteousness there's a huge difference Good. that we live from a place that we understand we've been made right i mean again i gotta i've got to read this again because as i read it i saw it like the first time all over again romans 4:25. who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification not that we could be justified, but that God saw us justified. When did that happen? At resurrection. That's when God declared they're justified. I've shared this, you know, justified. I had a professor in college said, just as if I'd never sinned, justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's the way God looks at us and as we renew our minds to that and renewing the minds it just comes through repentance that's the only way and what is repentance that you beat your breast and you talk about how sorry you are no repentance is this is recognizing truth and making adjustment to it now there may be times that you beat your breast because you go man how in the world did i let that slip so long but true repentance is a changing of the mind and a changing of the direction that we don't just hear but that we change and we adjust to it so that what's been given us can be given through us. This amazing gift of the life of God in us, he was raised for our, because of our justification. Listen. <laughs> Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. He said, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Let me ask you this. If If we couldn't be imitators of God, would it be unjust of him to tell us to do it? Yes, that's not a trick question. If it, if it was impossible for us to be imitators of God, it would be unjust for him to tell us to do something, right? God has empowered us to be his body on the earth, every, every joint supplying. That's why Paul told Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that is in you, which is given you by prophecy with the laying on of my hands. Uh, um, don't, do not neglect the gift. Second Timothy was the other passage I was going to share. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 says this. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We quote that all the time. God's not given us a fear, spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I, I, I remember when my daughter was little... I don't remember where there was Tina and... uh, I don't remember who all was in the car. you remember who was in the car? But they said something. Brianna was in the back seat in the car seat. She was little. She was still in the car seat. And they said something about being afraid or something. And Brianna just out of the blue said, God's not giving a spirit of fear but a power of love and a sound mind. (laughs) I was like, come on. And a child will lead them. She got them all in line. Got them correct right there. Again, listen to how Paul writes this. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Where is it? It's in you. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, then you would have asked him. Look, 1 John 5 says this. I got all my electronic gadgets. Now, this is the confidence that we have in, in him, in Christ, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. He said, this is the confidence that we have in who? In him, in me, in my ability to pray. This is the confidence that we have in who? In him, in Jesus. The confidence is not in me. It's not in my performance. Is there a part that I have to play? Absolutely. It's partnering with his promise. Again, I read this already, Romans chapter 4, that it is 4, 16. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, that the promise might be sure to all the seed. And he said this, this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know what he, that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. See, it's that place of knowing, one, who he is, and that I'm in him and that in him all things are made new. That we've been made righteous because of what Jesus did. Listen, listen to this. Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, he told Timothy, stir up the gift which is in you, right? So that means that if we don't stir it up, that it can sink to the bottom. You know, right now in the season, they have pumpkin spice uh, flavoring for your coffee, right? And I get that puppy out in the morning, and I shake it up. Because some of the good stuff falls to the bottom. And if you don't shake it up, you just get white sugar milk. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get. So I get that puppy, and I shake it up. I stir it up because I want it all. I don't want just the filler stuff. I want it all. And sometimes the good stuff sinks to the bottom. And the same thing in us. You know what? Life will cause the good stuff to sink to the bottom. <coughs> don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. <coughs> just opportunities throughout the day will cause the love of God which is in us. We, you know, we don't have to pray for the love of God. We just have to walk it out because it's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, it has been, past tense, it's there, it's mine, He's, he lives in me, I'm in him, he is love, love abides in me, so it's not a fact do I ha- that I have to pray. You know, when we're, in a, when we're in an amazing opportunity, we don't have to say, Lord, I need your love right now, come love, come love. No, what we've got to do is stir up what's already in us, it's the love of God. If not, then you need to get born again, because God is love, First John. And, and He loves us. He lives in us. Okay. Verse 4. I was, I was going somewhere with that. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. Do you see that? With. That means conjointly together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together Anybody catching the theme? Together, together, together. We're together. We're all together. Just big group hug. Come on, everybody in. Everybody, I'm just kidding. Together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus... For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Anybody? I mean, really, you don't have to be a doctor to understand this. Together in Christ Jesus. You got it? I can't move on till everybody's with me because this right here, I did not even need explanation. I'm just doing it because I like it. I have fun. In Christ Jesus, four good works which were, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, so he says here we're made alive together with christ we're raised up together with Christ, and made to sit together in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So what is God wanting not just to show to us, but to show through us is this, the exceeding riches of his grace. He wants to show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of, wor- listen, John, what did he tell the, The Samaritan woman, if you knew the gift of God, right? Right here, in in Ephesians 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, seven verses. In these seven verses, he's given us a glimpse of what the gift of God is in us. Just a glimpse. This is not a deep exhortation on it. It's just a little glimpse that Paul wanted them to understand. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, he said, listen to this. Not of works lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We don't do good works to get in Christ Jesus. Because we're in Christ Jesus, good works come out of us. Amen. (laughs) Brianna doesn't come and sleep in her bedroom upstairs to be my daughter. She comes and sleeps in that bedroom upstairs because she is my daughter. She goes to the cupboard and to the, to the fridge and gets what she wants, not to be my daughter, but because she is my daughter. She gets in the car that we pay for and put gas in and drives it wherever she needs to go. <laughs> Because she is our daughter, not because she's trying to be our daughter. And I'm saying, he said, if your earthly father now has to give you good gifts, how much more your heavenly father? One passage says, give you those things that you desire. The other passage says, give you the Holy Spirit. I think they're synonymous. If you get Holy Spirit, you've got whatever you desire. If you've got I am living on the inside of you, there's nothing you need. Look, this is something the Lord really spoke to my heart as I was studying. I wasn't sure I was going to share it today. But the Lord's really, you know, for some time ago back, I talked about a poverty spirit and how the Lord was, was uh, really delivering me from that. It's a process. I haven't arrived. Thank God that He's still working on me. But that, the, as I was just spending time with the Lord and, and praying this morning, this just rose up on the inside of me. The poverty mindset says, if I don't hold on to this gift, it may be lost, misused, or abused. You know what that gift is? It could be monetary. It could be uh, something that the Lord has placed inside of you. It could be the gift of encouragement. It could be a prophetic word. You know, if I, if I give this, it might be lost. It might not be appreciated. It might be misused or abused. It could be relationships. It could just be I'm going to hold my heart. I'm going to lock this puppy up, build walls around it. I'm going to protect it because if I give it away, somebody might use it or abuse it. Don't shout me down. It could be money, but we get so caught up on money. Poverty mindset is not just about money. Money's a is a true sign of where uh, where that how that spirit works, <laughs> but. But he he said this, the poverty mindset says, if I don't hold on to this gift, it may be lost, misused, or abused. And I started meditating on that, and the Lord said, and a prosperous mindset says this, if I don't give this gift, it may be lost, misused, or abused. (laughs) See, a prosperous mindset says, man, if I don't give this, he said, freely, I've received. So freely, I if I don't give this, then it could be lost. It could be misused or it can be abused because I'm not using it for what God told me to use it for. So it's all where your focus is. If you see, if you know, as we know, the gift of God that's in us. And he says, man, you know, here's here's a practical way, right? Ladies i just say ladies, not because it's your job, but because ladies are more inclined to do this. Ladies, your house, you really want to clean it because the family's coming in for Christmas, right? You want it clean. This is the world I live in. Just being (laughs) transparent. (laughs) And in your husband's eyes, it's already spotless clean. But in your eyes, it needs to be clean. Maybe it doesn't... Wow, sorry, I'm being too transparent. No. (laughs) But the Lord puts on your heart, look, I know you got the afternoon off and you could clean your house and it could be ready for the family. But so-and-so has been going through a rough time and they've been working extra hours and they really would need their house cleaned as well. Again, I use ladies because they're more inclined. The guys would look around and say, it's awesome. The family's going to wreck it anyway. Let's have them over. (laughs) can only go downhill when all those people get here so it's beautiful i love it let's just go cut on tv and pop some popcorn wait for them to get here but see it's you and and i can it can go even further to using the gift that god's placed on the inside of you that you're standing somewhere and the lord just really highlights somebody and you don't know him from adam and he says i just want you to go over there and tell him this And you go, oh, but what if they don't appreciate it? What if they don't accept it? That's not your responsibility. But I can tell you this, if you hold on to it, I can promise you you'll miss it. I can promise you that it won't bring forth the fruit that it's supposed to bring forth because you held on to it and it wasn't yours to hold on to. So if we, as we renew our minds to this understanding that we know the gift of God that's on the inside of us and he he has given us a grace that is well able to make us excel in any circumstance or any situation. That's totally different. That's not living from a poverty mindset. It's living from a mindset that says, you know what, I am in Christ. Just as we saw in Ephesians there, that we're together in him that we're made alive together, that we're raised up together, we sit together in Christ. Why? That It might show the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you were saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works. That What? which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, that we should walk in them. Has anybody noticed, other than me, all the conditions in here? Stir up, don't neglect, that we should walk in them. We were created for a purpose. We were created that that the riches of his grace should shine through us, not just to us. See, that's the thing. I believe in the church, especially in the charismatic church, that we're... We're beginning to get an understanding of what's been given to us. I don't say we've got our mind around it, our hands around it. We're getting an understanding of what's been given to us. But very few are walking out what it means to get it through us. That we're the body that uh, Ephesians again talks about. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were, with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above in all heavens, that he might fulfill, uh, that he might fill all things. Who is he? He's the one that descended. He's the one that was resurrected because you're justified. Amen. Amen. And he gave gifts unto us. He talks about there's one body. I didn't want to skip through that. The first part of that, he says, I beseech you to walk worthy. He didn't say be worthy. He didn't say walk to get worthy. He said walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And he he goes through bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of uh, the spirit. And then he says, there's one body, one spirit, Uh, You are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But then he breaks it down to this. He said, now, I want you to understand there is a body. It's not just the church. It's not just the river of fellowship. There's a body in the world, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. There's a body. And he said that we're in that body, but to each one of you there's a gift. Because you know what it's easy to do? It's easy to say, yeah, I know John's got a gift. He, he plays the guitar and sings, and he, he does KLN, or I know that Melanie's got a gift, or I know that Stephen's got a gift. And it's easy to, to project over on other people that they have gifts. And, but he said that, yes, we're one body, but there's a purpose to this body. He said, but to each one of us a grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. He told the woman, again, if you knew the gift. I'm just saying the Lord is awakening me and saying, Todd, I want you to know the gift that's on the inside of you. Because as you know the gift that's on the inside of you, you'll be able to minister from that gift. And what that'll do is it'll, it'll ping other people. It'll draw other people in to walk in what God has called them to walk in. He said this, look, and he gave himself uh, verse 11, he gave himself some, pro- some to be apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Yep, you're right. They're the ones that's supposed to do the work. That's what we pay them for. We pay them to do the work. We take up offerings. We support missionaries because they do the work. We come to church. We sing peppy songs. We feel good. And we go home and we go to work and make money so we can pay the people to do the work for Jesus. Well, let's just see what it says. (laughs) Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ... For the equipping of who? Saints. That's y'all. That's me. I'm a saint. (laughs) That preacher to River he was a saint. (laughs) Yes, he did. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up, of the body of Christ. Every one of us. It's each of us. It's not the, the, the five. In, in reality, if you understand what Paul is saying here, the fivefold ministry gifts aren't, out, aren't supposed to go out and do the work for the church. They're to come in the church and equip the church to go out and do the work. Because not everybody's an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. But what they do is they can raise up people under them and teach them. And then they go out and they do the work of the ministry. I'm just saying. That's what it says. Listen to this. Till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to be a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He said the purpose of this, that everybody understanding there's a gift on the inside of you, the purpose of that is that as everyone stands up, as everyone is equipped to do what God's called them to do, we see the body of Christ coming into this fullness. And as we see the body of Christ coming into the fullness, we see communities transform. I, we don't see communities transform because of a, a series of meetings in a church house. You say, oh, that's not true. Church history says when there's big revivals, there's transformation of communities. Now, what I say is this, when there's mindset shifts, it transforms a community and there's long services in church because that's where people want to be. Because they understand that he's alive, that he's, he's living and that he's desiring, not just to work through me or not just to work for me, not to me or for me, but through me. That's a paradigm shift. Because for so long, we've been taught, we come to church and we get, uh, get filled up and get happy. And then we just have to make it until, you know, when we used to have midweek services. We just got to make it till Wednesday. You know, and I have had good meaning people, and, I, and I'm not judging them. Good many people say, boy, I just had to get here so I could get filled up. I can't make it through my week if I don't come here and get filled up. You know what that is? That's a poverty mindset. That's a mindset that says, I don't have it in me. I got to come get it so that I can make it to the end of the week. Because if you can only make it till Wednesday, heaven forbid on Wednesday afternoon before you got to church, you had to give something away because there's nothing to give. Because you're just holding on for Wednesday night service. Did you feel that? (laughs) I'm just kidding. So as we renew our mind as we understand this gift that's on the inside of us the power of the living god we see communities transform i tell you i can't ride through gibsonville without saying god give us gibsonville in psalms two, he said ask for the nations again i go last week last week satan tempting it just happened last week y'all know that Satan tempted Jesus. I'm just kidding. Last week I shared about Satan tempting Jesus. And he, said, he took him up and he showed him all the kingdoms. He said, these are mine. That's what he said. And he said, if you'll bow down, I'll give them to you. Jesus didn't ask for them. He took them. He conquered him, And he took them. So just process with me. Satan said, these were delivered to me by Adam because God gave them to Adam and Adam gave them to me. They're mine. The kingdoms are mine. And if you'll bow down, you'll worship me. Jesus said, it doesn't work that way. I only worship the Lord, him only. It doesn't work like that. So Jesus conquered him. He was raised because I've been justified. So when he was raised, I'm in him. Do I need to go back and read Ephesians again? Somebody saying, Lord, please don't. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, it talks about together with Christ, in Christ, together with Christ. So... That being said, when he was raised and he did all that, he did that not just for me, but with me. (laughs) So now, who do the kingdoms belong to? Thank you, Tish. Who? Us. In in Psalms chapter 2, I was looking at that. In Psalms chapter 2, it's a a, uh, messianic psalm. But he said, ask me and I'll give you the nations. He's talking about Jesus. He says, ask me and I'll give you the nations. Talking to God, Jesus, give me the nations. And, and as I was looking at that, I was like, wow, well, so Lord, is it doctrinally correct for me to ask for the nations? He said, only if you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, then it's not right for you to ask. Then that's when he took me back to Ephesians chapter 2 and just really said, are you listening? You're together. You're with him. You were raised up. You're seated with him in heavenly places. So we don't ask for the nations from down here begging, saying, God, give us the nations. We ask for the nations from up here saying, God, I'm seated with you. And you, through Jesus, conquered the devil, and the nations belong to us. So, God, we'll start with a community called Gibsonville. And we'll see where it goes from there. Now, I'm going to bring Ben up. Ben Price is a, a good friend, and uh, I had the privilege of meeting a good friend of his yesterday, Scott Lee. But uh, the power's on the bottom. Ben and, and Scott had the opportunity this summer to go uh, to Mexico. Isn't that right, Mexico? Yeah. And uh, I just want him to share some of his testimony about what God did there in Mexico. So, she back.
1: Yeah, we. Um, well, it's a little loud. <laughs> Um, we went to um, right outside of uh, Guadalajara, which is uh, near the Sierra Nevadas um, in Mexico. I have a good friend that lived there for about eight years, and uh, we've done some ministry together and been wanting to do some uh, outreach to uh, the unreached people there. And uh, up in the mountains in the Sierra Nevadas, there's a, a group of ancient Aztecs uh, called the Huicholes. And uh it, you know, a lot of a lot of us think that all of Mexico should, you know, know Jesus and all that. Uh but that's just a complete lie. Um a lot of, you know, a lot of it's propaganda from governmental people. But anyways, uh long story short, it's kind of a dream of mine to um find unreached people. These are people that when you say Jesus, they don't they don't know who you're talking about. These are people that never heard the name of Jesus, you know, and you talk to them they say you say, hey, have you ever heard of Jesus? And they say, well, Jesus doesn't live here. Uh, you know, he, he must be at the next tribe, that kind of thing. And um, so it had been on my heart for a long time. We, me and my wife have done missions around the world, but it's just been something that's uh, burned in me for a long time to reach people that have never heard of Jesus. And so I asked my buddy who was living down there, I said, man, if I'm going to come, you know, I, I, I want to, no matter what we do, I want to find uh, unreached tribes. He said, well, I know about a group um, uh, called the Wicholés that are—it's about one, about 26 hours total to get to them. And uh, this is driving. <laughs> and uh, he said, "I know about this group up in the mountains. uh They're they're ancient Aztecs, so they're not Mexicans. They're actually um, Aztecs, you know, local tribes." And so I said, "Okay, well, if we're com- if I'm coming, let's go to them." And so me and him load up in his big, huge truck, and uh, we drive one day. Uh, you know, about a day's drive out, outside of Guadalajara, and we get to the base of the Sierra Nevadas. Uh, the next day, we over, you know, we uh, actually get there, and we, um, we, we're we just being led by the Spirit. So we actually find these people, actually just see a, a stand for some Coca-Cola, and we're like, hey, it's hot, let's get some Cokes. And uh, we get there, so we're just prophesying over this, uh, just praying for this lady and stuff, and she says, are you guys ministers? And we're like, yeah, we are. And uh, this lady is on the, uh, it's hard to describe, but the Sierra Nevadas, they come all the way down into Mexico. And we're coming up from the edge, and we hit the base of the Sierra Nevadas. You tracking with me? Right? You following me, right? It's like, you know, basically we're all in civilization, right? We hit the base of the Sierra Nevadas. It's like the last point of, like, the road stops, and now you're driving on dirt. You following me? Okay? No electricity, no anything. Right, so we meet these, this lady. She's selling Coca Colas, and we tell her what we're doing, and uh, she starts crying. And uh, she says, "Well, she says I, you're an answer to my prayer." We said, "Great." She said, "Actually, you know, I got born again uh, ten years ago. A minister came out here ten years ago. Just this is just to the last point of civilization. Came out here, led us, led a group of us to the Lord." And they actually kicked us out of the Wechole tribe because they're uh, animists. They worship the uh, sun and stuff. They actually kicked us out of the tribe that's about four hours up in here and made us move down to the bottom of the mountain because we became Christians. And uh, since then, we've been praying for someone to come and share the, the, wor- you know, the Word of God with us for for 10 years. So we said, well, good deal. We're here. She says, okay, well, give me an hour. I'm going to gather everybody up, and you can share the gospel with them. And so this is our first encounter and uh, so we're there about an hour or so, and she gathers you know, 30, 40 people right at the base of this mountain, and these are all people that had got born again from a uh, traveling minister. And so we share the gospel with her, um, we start preaching about the kind of what Todd's been talking about, just about Jesus being here right now. We start releasing healing, start praying for people, miracles start to break out um, over and over and over again, you know, all kinds of stuff, people would like... Uh, one lady had a bulging disc, it just snapped back into place. And uh, you know, this is you know, th- there's no we're not singing any songs, there's nothing. And um and I asked them, and I this was this was this was something that touched my heart. I don't know if I asked them or if they shared. The the woman stood up and shared and she said, uh, No, I asked them, I said, Have you guys ever experienced anything like this before? And uh, you know, she stood up and a couple of the other gentlemen stood up, she said, they said, no, we've never experienced the, the manifest presence of God in our life. And so God just kind of rolled in there like a like a cloud, right? And they're weeping and they're crying. Several of the uh, younger ladies have been molested. You know, it's really high um, with uh, sexual molestation up there and, and alcoholism and abuse and stuff. And uh, so people are getting delivered. Some of the girls just got delivered right on the spot. Uh, several, a couple of them gave their lives to Jesus. And uh, so we tell them, so we're actually trying to find... Uh, a tribal group that has never heard of Jesus. They said, Okay, well, there is one um that we know about that's but it's another ten hours into the mountains. So we're like, Okay, can you give us directions? So they're kind of giving us these you know, directions that are a little bit more uh they weren't from Google. That's for sure. Um so she just tells us, you know, you go, you crawl, you take a ferry, and you cross this huge, this huge lake that they had dammed, right? And that was the po- last point of civilization. So you cross the, dam- you cross this ferry to the other side, and you go over five mountain ridges. <laughs> <It's> one, <laughs> two, three, four, five, <laughs> and they live up here. And you're just going to follow this. There is a dirt trail, you know, that they would walk back and forth. And so we said, okay. So we spent the night. We woke up the next morning. We headed out. Took the ferry, and we're just stopping. There's just little random stuff along the way. We're stopping, making sure, you know, these people out here, they're like, yeah, the they're Wicholes, they're, they're up here. So we get to this tribe, and uh, again, this is 10 hours, you know, up and down, up and down, your head's hitting the ceiling type of thing. You know, like that's how bumpy it is, and we're in a 350 that's jacked up like this high, you know, it's just crazy. Um, so we get to these people, and they're all out playing games and stuff, and um, they see us right and they're obviously we're white they're not so and we have a huge truck and they're riding horses so they're like who are these folks so we get out and my buddy's uh fluent in spanish so they did speak spanish and uh uh like a aztec i forgot the language uh what exactly the name of it is but uh he's fluent in spanish and so he gets out and he asks for what's called the mayor and um it's Kind of like just a leader, they have a tribal leader there 's probably about two hundred of them two to two maybe well with kids there's probably five hundred there's no telling there was just they were everywhere and um, so he asked for the tribal leader, and uh, so he, the tribal leader comes up and he 's like, "Hey, you know thanking us for being there and uh, we just he tells them he said well i 've got a famous speaker here from America, and uh, he 's pointing to me i don 't know what he's saying he 's saying in spanish and uh, he says, so and so he would like to speak to you guys. And uh, the mayor's like, yeah, 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 I'll gather everyone up and, and we'll let them speak. And, uh, and I'm just, you know, I don't speak Spanish, so I'm just seeing them all shaking their heads and smiling and stuff. And he says, then he tells me what he says. I say, oh, great, good. So we don't tell them we're Christians at all. We don't say anything about Jesus. There's no churches, there's no crosses, there's nothing. And uh, actually, he actually tells us we're the, the only people that ever visited them were the government. No other people had ever been there. They were the first Americans they had ever seen. Were the first white people. Uh, some, of them seemed, some of them would make trips down to town, but a lot of them stayed up. They would go down and get you know special supplies. But the government had come in and brought them water, actually, and uh, and, and sl- some, some small education. Uh, anyway, so they gather everybody up, and um, you know probably probably about this this size of uh, folks, and then you know kids and stuff, just you know sh- you know running around. And uh, so I just began to tell him my testimony about Jesus touching my life, changing me, coming into my heart, and uh, just you know. And I used it in terms I didn't you know like Jesus, the living God. I had an encounter with Him, and I told him after years He actually spoke to me about You, and He told me that He wanted me to come to You so that You could experience Him as well. And then I began to tell him these miracle stories of me seeing people supernaturally healed, tumors disappearing, and things like that. And you see the attention starting to perk up. I said, well, you know, Jesus, the same Jesus has touched my life, he's here today, right now, in this room, and he wants to touch you, and so I just, uh, I said, anybody with any sickness, I want you to stand up, and so, actually, it was pretty cool, the mayor stands up, and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> and he jumps up, you know, we're, you know, we're, it doesn't matter, we go missing, we're missing forever, <laughs> not find us, so he stands up. Real fast, and I'm like, "Whew!" But didn't offend him, and he and he yells something in Spanish again. You know, I don't speak Spanish, so, and not the way they talk, at least. And um, he yells something in Spanish, and then everybody starts coming forward. And my buddies translating for me. He said uh, the mayor stood and said, "Everyone who's sick, come now. I want you to experience this." And so, you know, you got the mayor on your side. You know, it's like, all right. So everybody comes around, and we start. Pray- I just start praying, releasing. Uh, just saying, you know, in the name of Jesus, every pain, every problem, I start breaking the the uh, the uh, bonds of the devil, and then uh, this is cool. All of a sudden, pop! This guy's back snaps back into place right here. Been bulging discs and stuff. He starts freaking out, and a couple more start popping, and then you see everyone's eyes start to get big. And I'm giving him the microphone he's sharing and stuff, and uh, and um, and then all of a sudden you see like fifty of the of the women just poof, bolt. Into everywhere. All of a sudden, they come back with their children. Everyone that's sick, they start just gathering up. So for an hour, they gathered in one line. You know, just nonstop. Every single person was healed right on the spot. I got on video, and uh, just one one after another. You know, uh, one of the most remarkable was a guy had something. I don't. Even, it wasn't even a bulging disc. He had actually uh, almost like broken his back, and he had a. Um, so here's your back, right? He had something look like, almost like someone had tried to take a teepee out of his back. You know what I mean? It stuck out like this. I mean, like, at least seven inches off his back. And we just put our hands on it and snapped right back into place, right underneath our hand. Another guy had an actual broken back. He was in a full body cast. We prayed for him. Body cast healed. He had actually got ran over by, like, he had gotten ran over by something. I don't even know what happened to him. He, I think he had, like, fallen off of something major. Uh, but over and over and over again. We're asking them, and they're and these aren't people, you know. They're not trained to, you know, fake a healing. You know, they're actually. It was awesome with these ladies, and I loved it because it was so it was so pure. Uh, some of the women, you know, they would come up and they they'd have five or six pains, you know, and and they're you know hacking up their their legs at me and they're pointing at me, get this knee, and I'd pray, and and they'd be like, no, it's a little bit better, and they keep giving me their foot, and. <laughs> You know, they'd be poking their butt at me and stuff, and they're like, get my hip healed. And, and if it wouldn't be healed, you know, if they weren't completely healed, they're still in pain. They, they would just keep saying, no, no, you got to finish this, you know. I'm like, and uh, I'm like, okay. And so we just kept, we prayed. It was probably about an hour, but I'm, I'm not exaggerating at all. Um, and before we went up there, I looked over at my buddy Scott. and said, you know what? Listen, if we're going to believe for something here, we wanna, I just want to believe for 100% of every single person we lay hands on to be healed. And he said, okay, so we're, we're making this trip. This is going to happen. And especially if we're telling them that this is the the, the true living God was well, going to have to show up. And uh, anyways, every single one of them get healed. Uh, the line's done. And so I said, listen, well, you know, this Jesus that just healed you and did miracles in your midst, he also wants to be in your heart and the Lord of your lives because he's the one that created you. And so I give a small, a simple message of the gospel, you know, so that they can, uh, just in a way they can understand. And then I just say, how many of you want to know this Jesus in the entire tribe? Uh, every man and woman, the whole place, gave their life to Jesus right on the spot. Uh, you know, just, it was just incredible. Um, but the thing that I loved about it the most was it, um, for me personally, obviously, you know, they never would have heard about Jesus. But um, when you're walking in this gospel like um, like Todd's talking about sometimes you you know you you're in church services you know where sometimes we're trained to have a certain level of response but when you're 26 hours in the mountains and you're the only white dude and you're some crazy guy that's talking about miracles these people don't they're not responding because they're trying to make you happy you know they're responding because the power of the living god you know and and again I'll go off of this with um and I'll let Todd come up but um that woman said to me It changed my life forever when she said that this is the first time we felt the presence of the Living God in our lives yeah we hear we feel it every day and just the honor that she had for that you know it was like a gem to her you know it's like I have never felt what you're giving me right now ever and that's what we have every day. It's abiding in us, and we can take that for granted. Remember what Paul said, do not despise the gift that is in you from the laying on of hands. It doesn't mean you despise it and hate it or neglect the gift that is in you. It's, it's, you can just simply overlook it. And there can be people out there that have never... I mean, can you imagine You know, a, a people that have never felt God? The worship that we feel, the, the presence of God... And yet, you know, we have him every day with us. We're, we're going to work. We're doing everything we're doing. He's in our actual being. He's walking with us. Second Corinthians six sixteen says, "Do you not know that you are the temple of the living God, that God dwells in you and walks in you?" And then down below in chapter seven says, "Since we have these promises, let us let us let us walk this way."
0: Praise God. Just stay up here. Just stay up here. <clears throat> so, I wanted uh, Ben to share because I really feel that God's wanting us just to pray for healing in this place today. Uh, I uh, had a crazy thing happen on Friday that's never happened to me before. Friday afternoon, my right knee started hurting so bad, I could hardly walk. And it was that way most of the evening. And I'm just like, all right, Lord, I don't know what this is, but it's got to go. I am not tolerating it, it's not mine. I'm not, my daughter even laughed at me one time because she said I was walking funny, not in a mean kind of way. She just said, what's up with you? I said, my knee, I don't know what's going on. It's like I got a trick knee all of a sudden. It just hurts. And uh, I said, this has got to go. Went to sleep and woke up yesterday and it was totally gone like it had never happened. So I believe some, it was my right knee. I just said all that to say, I believe someone's got a knee problem you've been dealing with for some time. And it hurt. I mean, the Lord just gave me so much grace Uh, for people who've been dealing with a physical problem like that, whether it's from aging or whatever, I don't know. But here's the reality. It says that Moses' natural forces weren't abated, nor was his eyesight dim when he went home to be with the Lord. He didn't have a worn-out body and just say, well, I've got nothing else to give. No, his time, he came to the end, and he still had all his normal functions. So there's a knee, uh, if there's a knee. Also, this morning as I was praying about it I just really felt like someone is having has a heart condition and uh, I had a word of about a heart condition and what's so cool is when Ben talked about what no, you're not that your body's the temple of the living God this morning as I was praying I, I just said God I thank you that I'm the holy of holies Amen. I said Lord I thank you that I'm the holy of holies you're present you know only the high priest could go in there God you've uh, anointed us with your presence with your holy spirit who lives in us and that's who we are It's not what we're trying to do, that's who we are.